Welcome to Good Girls Talk About Sex. I am sex and intimacy coach Leah Carey, and this is a place to share conversations with all sorts of women about their experience of sexuality. These are unfiltered conversations between adult women talking about sex. If anything about the previous sentence offends you, turn back now. And if you're looking for a trigger warning, you're not going to get it from me. I believe that you are stronger than the trauma you have experienced. I have faith in your ability to deal with things that upset you. Sound good? Let's start the show. Welcome back to another episode where we hear a collage of voices answering your most burning questions. Well, perhaps burning is not the right word to use in this context. If you've got a burning sensation, please go see your doctor. But today's hot topic, do you have hair down there or are you bare? So I want to be brutally honest with you. Until just a few years ago, I was obsessed with wondering whether other women shaved down there or not. It wasn't a sexual curiosity. It was purely an am I normal curiosity. So let's dive in. Actually, that's another expression that feels ill-chosen on this particular subject. But I'll be back in a few minutes to share my own down there hair journey with you. I have hair. I'm too lazy. I do enjoy trimming it with like uh, beard clippers or something, but I can't, I can't take a razor to it. I, my skin is so sensitive. I get angry kitty. I just can't go completely bare. I like it bare for about 12 hours. And then my life is hell for about a week. I have hair. I try to trim it up. Oh, hair down there. All natural. I have very soft, not curly. So he actually prefers that I don't trim it. I have hair everywhere. Actually, one of the things that I told him before we ever saw each other, I don't shave and I'm never going to shave again. And at this point, he's gotten to the point where he thinks it's super sexy. I am mostly bare. I went through a period of time where I was waxing um, and then... I just kind of got lazy because, you know, I have two kids. It's hard to have the time to go to the waxing studio. So right now I'm shaving it, but I don't shave it every day. So at this current moment, it's probably not completely bare. Either all or nothing. (laughs) I get a full Brazilian wax every like four months. Uh (laughs) Depending on when you get me in that cycle. Either or. Hair, though I like to be very, very trimmed. So I don't like a lot. I definitely, like, I regularly get bikini waxes. So I I definitely like there to be hair, but not a lot. Oh, bear for both of us. At the moment, I'm still shaving, but I swear to God, the next time I have a significant amount of money, I'm just, I'm just going to get it all taken care of. I do have hair. It's funny, being back on the apps relatively recently, um... That's like the second thing that a lot of, at least men, ask. Hey, how's your Friday? Are you fully shaved? Those are like the first two questions. 
uh, in a couple of hours, I'm going to be bare. I've got a waxing appointment. <laughs> so the moment it's a little hairy. I have hair down there. I don't have the 70s Afro porn bush. I don't have that. I am hairy. Too much work. My husband doesn't mind either way. Thank God. I'm mostly bare. Uh, hair down there. Um, now I have hair. I've gone through periods where I've been not completely, but partially bare. I have less hair than I used to post-chemo. Not all my mm-hmm. hair grew back. I preferred bare because of how it felt for me. Um, but after chemo, I didn't bother starting to shave again. And my partner said he didn't care. And I didn't have as much hair. So it doesn't bother me as much as it used to. Trim, especially around the like the clit area, because that's where most of my hair grows. Um, and that's it's just for, you know, health, like for um, hygiene reasons. I don't want too much hair and fluid and things gathering in one place. 99% of the time I have hair down there. I go bare occasionally and I kind of like to do it, but I have really sensitive skin Mm -hmm. and it is a major undertaking to, for me to go bare and not end up with horrifying rashes. (laughs) But I also kind of like hair. I like at least a landing strip. Mm -hmm. I don't like it to look like a child. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have hair. There's sometimes that I'm inspired and then, you know, I'll be bare. Um, but for the most part, hair. I have a short haired landing strip. It's, it's like just like about an inch wide and the rest is gone. Very short. The inch is very short. And I don't know why I chose that, but I did. Um, I have had it lasered mm-hmm. the, the edges. And so I just trim the middle strip with, a, like hair clippers. Right now I am bare. I mean, I let it grow and then I shave. Um, so currently at this moment, it's there. Sometimes it goes away. You know, usually try to plan that up with the period or maybe bikini time or lingerie. I like having hair, mostly because I hate shaving because I'm Middle Eastern and it sucks. Because <laughs> um, I'd spend like an hour just on my bush. Um I've discovered shortcuts in terms of clippers. <laughs> um, and I have gotten wax down there, which I really loved, but um, it's it's expensive. And then I get ingrown hairs. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like that, have maybe doing that like two times a year because I really like it when it's super smooth. Um, it's such a nice change, but um, trimmed. I got lasered at about 45. Oh, it depends on if I can be bothered shaving. So here's a funny thing. I wear glasses. I don't know if you experience this. I attempt to shave all the way and then I get out the shower and I put my glasses on and it's <laughs> a freaking disaster. Anyway. I am a very pro hair person. I landscape when I feel like it and sometimes I don't. Uh, I shave, but I don't wax. So I shave everything like maybe twice a week. Pretty. I've been doing it, gosh, probably since I was like 16, I guess at this point. And is that because you like it or because you heard a message at that point that that's how it was supposed to be? I definitely started doing it because that's how it's supposed to be. Um, I prefer now um, to have for like my partner to shave. So I usually do the same thing. um, And I know that's our preference too. 
I'm lasered, which is actually an interesting thing because in the body acceptance world, sometimes I wish I could just grow a big bush and rock it and like, <laughs> I can't. Um, I'm pretty natural right now because I'm just too lazy to take care of it. I also don't feel like feeling like a little girl. Like I, like completely bare just wears me out now. When it grows in, it's painful. You get that little stubby bit and you could sandpaper <laughs> and, and maintaining it's a lot of work. Um, so I go back and forth. I'd, I'd probably make it bare about three or four times a year just to keep the forest under control. Um, I have hair. I get sugared and I sugar my bikini line. I like sassies because they don't try to dictate to you what you should do with your with your own pubic hair. But yeah, I, I fairly shaved somewhere between three quarters and 100% all the time, I'd say. How much maintenance does that require? Uh, it's a pain in the ass. Um, I usually, I wouldn't say I shave every other day. I shave based on like when I'm working, like like I worked last night, so I shaved yesterday, and then I work tomorrow. Oh God, I'll have to shave on Thursday too, you know. But like if I hadn't worked till Friday, I'd let that shit ride till Friday. <laughs> yeah. No, actually, I only ever trim it uh, for swimsuits. I have hair right now, but it's not very thick or anything. I've been a fan of waxing and shaving in the past. But now I'm just kind of like, I don't know, kind of letting it grow a little. See, see, you know, exploring different things. Laser. I was always waxing. And um, my previous partner wanted the wax area. But for me, it was quite uh, bad because of the ingrown hair. So basically, laser became a better solution. And because I'm used to being bare, it's just comfortable that way. I shave when it gets uncomfortable. So I'll grow it out. And then when I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is just too much, then I'll shave it. But I'm not like an excessive shaver or I don't whack. I love hair down there. However, it takes me some time to get the balls to grow it down there. When I'm when I'm first starting with the guy, I tend to be cautious and take everything off. I go back and forth with, should I care what a guy thinks or should I not? But honestly, if the guy is going down there... I do care what he wants. And I think that if he prefers me, you know, clean, then I'll go clean. And if he's open for me to grow like back, then because I also I feel sexy when I have hair down there. Yeah, like I keep it trimmed or whatever. Um, and I actually prefer the women that I'm with to have hair also. I just don't think I could see like that much bare skin. It kind of puts me in the mind of somebody who's like prepubescent or something. Like I just, I can't do it. Like I I need to see some hair. I'm not a child. Hair. (laughs) I do do trim it, but it hair. Yes. I have hair down there. And do you trim it? Do you leave it natural? I trim it because it just feels cleaner. And also because there's a lot of gray hair down there. <laughs> As there should be, because that's nature. There's a lot of gray hair up here. Too. <laughs> what the hell? Okay, my turn. My parents always walked around the house naked when I was a kid. It was a complete non-issue. And for those of you who are wondering, it did not scar me in the least. Even with all the sexual impropriety that was going on in our house, being naked was never part of the problem because being naked was never equated with sex in our home. 
my parents had bodies and they didn't hide them for me. Now that I'm grown, I'm really grateful for that. As my own body started to develop, I became aware that contrary to the bodies I saw in magazines, my mom had fairly thick hair that went halfway down the insides of her thighs. I'm not sure if I asked about it or if she brought it up, but at some point it became a joke that she made, that she was the, quote, missing link between ape and man. And that's how I learned. Hairy thighs were highly undesirable and something to be ashamed of. I started to notice how careful my mom was to keep her thighs hidden from view. She rarely wore a bathing suit, and if she did, she put a little skirt or shorts over it. So you can imagine my horror when my own pubic hair began to creep down the inside of my thighs. I don't actually remember it happening. I just remember looking down one day and noticing that suddenly I was also thickly forested in that area. And that began my fear and loathing of ever appearing in a bathing suit. It was less about the shape of my body and everything to do with the hair going down my thighs. A couple times I tried to shave it, but my skin is ultra sensitive. So the ingrown hairs and shaving bumps were a total nightmare. Then I tried Nair and I couldn't handle the burning sensation. I couldn't afford to go get my bits waxed. So as far as I could tell, I was stuck with hair down my inner thighs. And since there was nothing I could do about it, my choice was to avoid wearing swimsuits. At this point, I was in my late teens or early 20s, and I hadn't gotten naked with anyone yet. So I remained blissfully unconcerned about the pubic hair covered by my underwear. Until I had my first boyfriend at age 25, and he told me that he liked when girls were completely bare. I'll be honest, I was squeamish about the idea from the get-go. I couldn't put words to it then, But I understand now that I was really uncomfortable with the idea of appearing hairless and prepubescent. But like a good girl, I made an effort. I shaved bare a few times, and it was predictably horrible. The itching, burning, ingrown hair awfulness of shaving the insides of my thighs was nothing compared to shaving my entire pussy area. It didn't become an overt issue with that boyfriend. He knew that I couldn't do it, and he didn't outright pressure me. But he made subtle comments that left me feeling ashamed of the fact that my body didn't please him. Several years later, another boyfriend did make it an overt issue between us. He claimed that if I didn't shave off my pubic hair entirely, it meant that I didn't care about him or his needs. I explained again and again what physical torture it put me through, but he kept pushing until I gave up trying to explain and tried to find another solution. I got an electric hair trimmer and one night I handed it to him. You can do anything you want to my pubic hair, I told him, as long as you don't shave it down to the skin. The first time, he thought it was fun, and I enjoyed the buzzing around my private parts. But when I suggested it again a little while later, 
he was back to griping that if I didn't do it myself because I knew it pleased him, it meant that I didn't care about him or his feelings. There was something wrong with me because, as he told me, all men wanted a clean-shaven woman and other women did it for the pleasure of their man. And I wonder... Why did he care so little about me that his visual preference was more important than my physical discomfort? Quick side note here. This story is completely heterocentric because all of my relationships to that point were heteronormative. And I chose to date men who said things like all men want and all women should. So it was during this relationship that I developed the obsession with other women's pubic hair. Was it true that I was the only woman who was so selfish as to not shave for the pleasure of her partner? Was it true that every man desires a woman to be fully shaved? I had so many questions and absolutely no way to answer them because you don't usually walk around asking women, hey, are you shaved down there or do you have a bush? The ads I saw in magazines in the 90s and 2000s for underwear and bathing suits suggested that probably being shaved bare was kind of normal. The conversation that you hear in the culture certainly pointed in that direction. And it's definitely what was portrayed in the little bit of porn that I sought out. When I started dating the person after the, if you don't do it, you don't care about me guy, I assumed the new guy would be similarly unhappy with my lack of bareness. So I took out the electric shaver prior to our first time together and cut it down to about a quarter inch. When I took my pants off that first day, he didn't give it a second look. Afterward, I gathered up all my courage and told him that I was sorry if it disappointed him that I wasn't bare, but I couldn't do it because of my sensitive skin, and I hoped he didn't mind me being close-shaven instead of bare. I was completely unprepared for his response. I like it however you want to do it. It doesn't matter to me. It took me a while to believe him. I'd been so indoctrinated to believe that what I needed wasn't okay. Ever since then, my sexual partners have been similarly agnostic about hair. My current partner says, it's your hair. You get to do whatever you want with it. I don't really have any say in it. But what really helped me get over hair as an issue was spending a lot of time in nude spaces and getting to look at other women's bodies. Just like seeing other bodies in all shapes and sizes helped to normalize for me that my body wasn't gross and undesirable, seeing pubic hair that was wild or bare or carefully landscaped helped to normalize for me that there was no right or normal way to keep my pubic hair. I've even been with partners who say they prefer a full bush because it captures a woman's scent, or because it's soft and feels nice, or because it's visually pleasing. I've developed a habit of occasionally trimming my hair, not cutting it short, but maybe going from a full bush to a half a bush. I like how it feels, and it keeps things a little cleaner during my period, but it's by no means a regular thing. I recently saw a Facebook post by a friend of mine who's a sex worker, Apparently, one of her clients thanked her for having pubic hair, 
which makes me think that there are a lot of women out there who think they're supposed to remove all their pubic hair for the benefit of the male gaze. And there are some men who are really wishing we wouldn't. Friends, if you love these conversations, I would love your help to keep them going. There are three ways you can participate. Two are free, and one is for listeners who've got a few extra dollars each month. Number one, take a screenshot of this episode right now and post it to your Instagram stories. Tag me in your post, and if it's public, I'll reshare and send you a personal thank you. Word of mouth is the best way to build buzz for an independent show like Good Girls Talk About Sex. And the more people listening, the healthier our collective sexual experiences will become. Number two, don't want the whole world to know you're listening to a show about sex? I get it. Perhaps you heard something in this episode that reminds you of a past conversation with a friend or something you wish your partner knew. Send them a link to this episode and a quick message about why you think they should listen. And number three, if you have the resources to support the sex positive work I do, I'd be grateful for your support at Patreon. Donating the equivalent of a fancy cup of coffee each month might not make a big difference to you, but it makes a huge difference to me. There's absolutely no contract or obligation. You can cancel at any time. Plus, I donate 10% of all proceeds to ARC Southeast, an organization that supports women in the Southeast United States to access reproductive services that are currently being legislated out of existence. It's easy to become a patron at patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex. And one more thing. There is a treasure trove of additional audio at Patreon that's free to everyone. You don't even need to have a Patreon account to access them. Just go to patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex to start listening. I appreciate every one of you, whether you're a client, a patron, a social media follower, or a silent listener. I trust you to know what's right for you. Thank you for being here. Now, let's get back to the show. For this week's highlighted podcast, I'm really excited to have found a show that's actually talking about hair removal so that we can continue this conversation about body hair. I'm going to play the clip for you, and then I'll introduce you to the host and the show afterward. When this whole story went down, I was, I think, a senior in college in my undergrad. This is Caden. And I was super thirsty. <laughs> I hadn't dated anybody really in the four years that of of my undergrad. Uh, and so I was just like looking to hook up, nothing fancy. I was also kind of getting into the kink scene. So, so I was looking for somebody who was amenable to those interests. And I had come out as trans like three years prior to that. I meet this girl on FetLife, which is like kink Facebook. And she is interested in all the stuff I'm interested in. And she's nearby. 
And I was like, oh, this sounds good. And so we basically were chatting for a while and we basically like decide we're going to have sex. And so I'm like, okay, great. And then casually, she just sends me a text like, oh, don't forget to shave. Trans folks can have some pretty messy feelings about our body hair. I know personally, I spent lots of time trying to get the fuck rid of any evidence I had a beard. I used Nair on my legs. It didn't work. Shaving was a giant pain in the ass, but I hated my body hair and I never gave a ton of thought to why I just did. I'm also a big proponent of the idea. You don't need to know why you feel the way you do about these kinds of things. It's nice, but it's not required. If you feel like you got to shave, go shave. If you hate shaving, don't either is okay. But I did often wonder Caden had come to a pretty solid place with his feelings about his body hair before this text exchange. And then shit got complicated again. And I was like, what do you mean? Don't forget to shave. Like, um, part of what, like, like pre transition, I, I shaved cause that was like the thing you're supposed to do. Right. You know, we talked about how that's just kind of the cultural expectation for women. And part of what was so liberating about coming out, was that I got to say for the first time, no, I'm not going to do what you want me to do with my body. You know, I'm going to do what I want to do and what makes me comfortable. And I'm going to stop doing this bullshit that you're telling me to do that makes no sense. Uh, And so I hadn't touched a razor in the three years since I came out and it was great. Um, so, so she asked me to shave and I was like, like shave, shave my bits, like shave like my stuff. And, and she's like, yeah, hairy crotches, just, I'm not into it. And I was a little like appalled that she even would ask me to do something like that. And it was kind of dysphoria inducing too. Cause I, I don't know if she fully grasped the trans thing. And I was like worried that she was one of those kind of like bi curious type people and so I think that she sort of saw me as a woman. And then I had never even heard of somebody like asking a guy to shave their bits before. And so I was like, so just like the the image of just being clean shaven down there. Uh, and just the fact that she was asking me to do it, like made me feel like she was trying to like feminize me. I was like, but I really like, I don't shave. I don't like it. It's uncomfortable. I've done it before, hated it. I had nothing but just horrifying memories of trying to shave my pubic hair. I don't know why I ever tried at all, but I had tried like once or twice and I was like, never again. So I was like, I can trim if you want, that's fine. But like, I really don't want to shave. And she's like, well, then we just, we can't hook up then because I'm just not into it. And I was like, well, shit. (laughs) Um, And so I was still like, you know, a thirsty young Caden and I was like, well, I mean, if it's that big of a deal, you know, and like, and I really wanted someone to explore the kink thing with. So I'm like, okay, maybe it's not as bad as I've made it out to be. Maybe my memory is is distorted and it can't be that awful. People shave their bits all the time. Let me just try it. So that was kind of what happened in the text conversation. I didn't really, it took me a while afterward to like process why it made me feel so weird. So I didn't really address that directly with her. That clip is from a show called Queersplaining by Callie Wright. Callie tells trans and queer stories from the point of view of trans and queer people. 
because so often it is straight or cisgender people who have the microphone and are telling stories about people who are queer or trans. Callie is a trans, non-binary person who uses the pronouns they, them. I recommend their show, Queersplaining, for anyone who wants to hear their own queer and trans stories reflected back to them in a show that's filled with heart. And if you're a cisgender person who's curious about gender confirmation surgery and learning how to interact with a newly installed set of genitals, I highly recommend Callie's episode, Slaying Dragons, where they tell their own story of exploring their new vagina. I may or may not have cried while listening to it. Just saying. There'll be a link in the show notes. Are you aching to explore new vistas of your sexuality? Do you hear me talk about concepts on this show and think, it makes sense, but I need help applying it to my situation? That's where personalized sex and intimacy coaching comes in. When you work with me, I promise to help you feel safe exploring your sexuality. Together, we'll look at your needs and desires without judgment and help you figure out how to fulfill them. There's no single answer that's right for everyone. So I'm going to help you discover what's right for you and we'll go at your pace. That's the pace that respects your emotional needs, your boundaries, and your nervous system. Because going too fast can send you into shutdown, while going too slow can be infuriating. The goal is to find what's right for you. I work with clients who are motivated to explore many different areas of sexuality, including things like expressing your sexual desires to current or future partners, Exploring if you might be queer, challenging body image insecurity in sexual relationships, dipping your toes into BDSM or consensual non-monogamy, learning to date after a long time out of the dating pool, exploring sexuality for later in life virgins, and so much more. I want you to have a deeply fulfilling, intimate life, and together, we can help you get there. For more information and to schedule your free, no obligation discovery call, visit leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. That's leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. For this week's Am I Normal question, we have a question about blowjobs. Am I normal? 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 Hi, Leah. I'm wondering if I'm normal because I just, I really don't like doing blowjobs. And I know my friends love to do that for their husband. What's wrong with me? Am I normal? Dear listener, you are not required to enjoy blowjobs. Period. End of sentence. I felt like it was important to get that clear and out of the way up front. Okay, 
Now, let's do a little bit of a deeper dive into some of the complexities around this topic. You are far from alone in this. I used to hate giving blowjobs because the idea of having ejaculate in my mouth made me nauseous. I thought that the two things went together, give a blowjob, get a load of cum in my mouth. So I created a story that I hated giving blowjobs. It wasn't until a few years ago that I learned that I could have a boundary conversation with partners who have penises that went, I would like to give you a blowjob, but I don't want you to ejaculate on my face or in my mouth. Is that something you're okay with? And to my shock, I've never had a single man turn that offer down. After many conversations with women, I have a sneaking suspicion that I'm not the only one who equated dislike of ejaculate with dislike of blowjobs. So if that happens to be the case for you, I want to tell you about the thing my partner discovered that has made blowjobs a pleasure for us both, literally. He found non-lubricated condoms with no smell and no taste that we use specifically for blowjobs so I can bring him to completion. For reference, they are Trustex condoms and there's information in the show notes. Another objection that I hear from some women about blowjobs is that they aren't comfortable with their partner jamming his cock down her throat or putting his hands on her head while pumping. These are also issues that have less to do with the act of giving a blowjob and more to do with the communication about boundaries and comfort levels. I've heard women say explicitly, I don't feel comfortable having hands on my head when my mouth is near someone's genitals. And this can be true whether the genitals in question are a penis or a vulva. If you're not sure how to have that conversation, I recommend going back to the February 2019 episode, The Stars Method, and I'll put a link to that in the show notes so you can find it. Now, if the idea of having that type of conversation is still uncomfortable, get in touch with me. Helping you navigate these conversations is exactly what I do when coaching clients. And one more thought on this subject. I can't help but notice that the way you phrased your question didn't focus on your partner's need to have blowjobs that you aren't providing. Rather, it focused on feeling like you're the odd one out among your girlfriends who absolutely love giving blowjobs to their partners. And to that, I want to remind you, unless we are really comfortable and skilled at talking about sex, even with our girlfriends, we are likely to have conversations about one of two things. The very best things that are happening and the very worst things that are happening. We'll hear about the mind-blowing thing they did last weekend and how she's never had such full-bodied orgasms with anyone before him. Or we'll hear about how he can't find her clitoris and it feels like he's slobbering all over downtown and she's not feeling anything. And could it possibly be any worse? It's human nature or at least human nature in the time of social media, to highlight the best things so we can feel a bit superior and complain about the worst things so we can feel justified in having a good wallow. But we rarely hear about the squeebly middle. 
And that's where most of our sex lives exist. I really like some of the stuff we do in bed, but there's some stuff that isn't quite working for me. We don't fight about sex, but there's always some low-lying tension and dissatisfaction. So this impression that you have that all of your girlfriends love giving blowjobs may be the result of you only hearing the choicest highlights of their experience. I want to share a quote with you because I love it and I think it's highly relevant, but I want to give it the context that it's attributed to Stephen Furtick, a pastor at an evangelical church that is not welcoming to members of the LGBTQ community. So with that context in place, what he says is one reason we struggle with insecurity is that we're comparing our behind the scenes to everyone else's highlight reel. Just because they say they're loving it doesn't mean that's the full story. That's it for today. Before we go, I want to remind you that the things you may have heard about your sexuality aren't true. You are worthy. You are desirable. You are not broken. As a sex and intimacy coach, I will guide you in embracing the sexuality that is innately yours, no matter what it looks like. To set up your free discovery call, go to leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. If you have questions or comments about anything you've heard on the show, call and leave a message at 720-GOOD-SEX. Full show notes and transcripts for this episode are at goodgirlstalk.com. And you can follow me at goodgirlstalk on the socials for more sex positive content. If you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, or if you're using another podcast app, go to ratethispodcast.com forward slash goodgirls. While listening to this show is free, producing it is not. If my work is meaningful to you and you have a few dollars to support it each month, I'll gratefully accept your patronage at Patreon. Find out more and become a community member at patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex. Good girls talk about sex is produced by me, Leah Carey and edited by Gretchen Kilby. I have additional administrative support from Lara O'Connor. Transcripts are produced by Jan Asiello. Until next time, here's to your better sex life. <laughs>